Welcome back. We are back. This is episode 72 of the Good Night Harlem podcast. And we are your hosts. I am Law, and that is the wonderful Avi, also known as Avi Gats. Oh, God. There we go. It's been a long time. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Oh, God. You can't say Happy New Year if we're like already damn near through January. No. But I can if the last time we recorded was last year. Okay. Very good. It was our very first podcast of 2022. So, okay. So, we have a very different episode today. Typically, we'd stay out of talking about TV shows. It's just not our, our, our remit. Like, well, that's not what we do. But in this case, we found, we found it very, uh, very much important to cover one of the top shows on the OWN network, which is Ready to Love. And I want to give my take on that. And Avi, I'll hand it over to you. But a part of the reason why we both kind of consume this show, and at least on, from my perspective, one, it's one of the few shows that actually highlights Black dating after the age of 30. Most shows only care about what's happening in people's youth, early 20s. Like, I don't care if it's Bachelor, Bachelorette, um, Temptation Island. It's normally covering people who are in their early 20s or late 20s and just trying to, like, you know, figure it out, quote unquote. Whereas this show really pushes in on what it means to be Black at an age where you may or may not have had children where you are fully established um, and you're really interested in trying to find love in a way that before you would have been probably put in a bracket of those shows that I just previously spoke on. Avia, any other supportatives or things you would add to that? I would say you hit it right on the money. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) But with that also said, uh, a part of the reason why this season was just as important to us is because Avia made a little bit of a pivot. Avia, care to jump in on that? So something that we plan on diving into a little bit more in maybe a future episode from both Lawrence and I is that I have left Harlem. Yes, I said goodnight to Harlem and I moved to D.C. What I think is interesting about my pivot, though, um, is that I moved to D.C., during a time where the show was about to launch the DC season. Mm-hmm. And in since that, I actually came across a few spoiler alerts from this season prior to the season even starting. One thing that happened to me being on Hinge, you know, very popular mm-hmm. dating app after mm-hmm. moving to DC, I actually matched with someone from the show who I didn't even realize was on the show until we matched. And that was Carrington. And for anyone who knows Carrington, his whole, basically his whole run on the show was very short lived. But for anyone who knows about Carrington, there's been things floating on, on about him around Twitter, uh, things about his past, about, you know, child support. If you ever just want to look up Carrington and Twitter, you'll find it all accusations been made and everything like that. So Carrington and I matched on Hinge. And, um, you know, he had a very interesting profile, one that showed only pictures of him dressed up, I guess, for one of his parties, since that's what he does in DC, he throws parties. And we ended up at some point FaceTiming. And it was a very interesting experience because by the time the show actually rolled around, some of the things that the women said about him, I found to be true as well, as far as like his style of getting to know people, very much an interview type style. It feels like you're going in for a job. It's mm-hmm. kind of contrived, kind of feels a little uh, premeditated and, and without like any sort of feeling. It's, it's weird. It's like one note. Um, but I found out that he was on the, the season prior to us even talking because I looked him up on Instagram and found his Instagram page and it said RTL season five. And I was like, I know what RTL is. I'm a ready to love fan. I know the acronym. I was like, oh, okay. He's on the show, but he's also on this dating app, which means whatever happened on the season did not work out. Exactly. (laughs) So one thing I will say is in talking to him through FaceTime, um, he mentioned how he was in DC for a minute for a TV opportunity. 
He was talking about how the pandemic hit and he had to change his whole scope of what he was doing for his day job. And he moved back to DC for a television opportunity, but did not tell me what it was. But by that point, I already knew what it was. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you threw this out there because a part of the reason why we wanted to like touch on this is not only did you have that, but you also were able to kind of give me softball spoilers throughout the season because you're connected in DC now. You knew right. one right. of the couples were going to end up with each other without ever having finished the season because you were actually at a same, the same function as them. You also knew that one of the guys wasn't going to stay with somebody that he was actually with because you got to see his profile pop up on another platform. And I went, oh, I can't wait for this season to actually unfurl and finish because I already have a lot of intel on what happens towards the end. But where I want to transition this to is some of the kind of key moments that we got from it that I feel like anybody who didn't even watch the season would have their own perspective on. It's just a lot of the scenarios that were brought up throughout the time period that the show took place. And so me and you kind of put together like our own list about this. And so I, in, in doing this, I'm not, I'm not, my goal is not to drag anybody on the show, especially with you potentially running into people when you're just in and around the area. My goal is to just highlight some of the things that we both felt like, hmm, does this make sense? Is this something that I would think, et cetera. All right. The one of the first things that we got to do was see their casting special and their casting special. They have a woman by the name of Camille on there. Camille is somebody who's a teacher. She's in her 40s. Uh, and Camille is, you know, I would say she's experienced quite a bit in her life in terms of dating and men and et cetera. And so much show that one of the things that Camille raised was the fact that she's been engaged three times and called it off three times. With that being said, Avia, my first question to you is, is it a red flag if a person has been engaged three times and called it off all three times? What say you? Oh, of course. Of course. I feel like it doesn't even have to get to three times. If it's been two times, I feel like that's a red flag. That tells me that you don't trust yourself to make the right decisions. Now, I will say that it's a great thing that you called off the engagement before you got to the marriage and you bypassed the whole divorce thing. That is great. But I would assume, and that's just me assuming, that if you're getting engaged, you're in a long-term relationship with someone that you know, trust, and can see a future with. What has transpired between the time that you say yes to the engagement and the time that you cut it off three times for you to realize this person is not my future. And maybe it could have been the other person doing something that they didn't normally do before. But if it's not that, what's going on for you to make these decisions where you think that you're going to spend the life with someone and then all of a sudden you decide to opt out? That to me is a little unsettling. And that, if I was a man, would make me feel like, is this going to happen to me with this person? And you're saying even in reverse, you being a woman, if you knew a guy had did it three times, you're like high alert no matter what sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my thing is, like I said, I will give you kudos to not going through with the whole thing and then having that was going to be my starting point. Yeah, it happened to be a whole situation where now you have kids by this person. Now you've wasted this person's time. You've gone through this marriage. You've everything. You've gone through the whole thing to the end three times. But like. I, like I said, people don't just get engaged after two months of knowing each other. There's time and energy invested to get to the engagement part. Some people do. And if that was the case for her, that's a huge red flag. You're agreeing to spend your life with someone that you barely even know. What does that say about your decision-making skills? So, all right. My thought is, is it a red flag to just answer the question? Depends. I don't think that that's a clear yes or no, because it depends. What were the reasons that you called it off? I will say this much. If you found out that the person wasn't as genuine or they started being domestically abusive or verbally abusive for that matter, I can completely understand. I can't say that you're wrong for that. Um, And maybe the person was hiding who they were prior to you guys getting engaged. I don't know. What I would say on the other side of it is, 
again about the dependency if you as a man or woman for that matter or somebody non-binary are saying yes three times over to just being engaged i would ask you in terms of your decision making what is it that has made you say yes that many times what are those things that has given you clearance in your mind that this is right because i can't see all these people I'm meeting and going three times in a row. Yeah, I feel it. This is right. And then backing out. But that's me. So I'm a little bit more nuanced with that. I can see why. And I would prefer anybody to keep themselves out of a position where you have a kid with somebody that you don't really see. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I don't want at least it's an engagement and nothing more, you know, but still it does. You're checking off these boxes that make you look a little bit unstable. I surfaced this to my guy friends and then I surfaced it to some of my, my, my women friends. My guy friends, by and large, were like, if a woman was engaged three times and call it off three times, there is no way me knowing that information that I would pursue her. That made me go, damn. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with what they said. But that doesn't mean she'd do that with you, though. It doesn't mean that. If it happens to you, then it's like, well, damn, you should have known this was her pattern. This is what she knows. Okay. But on the flip side, some of the women that I've spoken to about it were a little bit more lenient and understood where I was coming from with maybe you just figured out you were in a bad situation. You thought it was right. And then you saw a few little nooks and crannies that made you go "Mm -mm, mm -mm." longer term. I don't know that that would be okay. Maybe it's the first time you guys get to live together, right? Because some people try to live together for a year before they, and once you live together, you're like, ooh, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So they were a little bit more nuanced with their opinion. So there's that. That was the first question that we had about it. And interesting to hear your take on that. I didn't know you were going to go full bore. Absolutely not. You would you would call it a red flag, period, which that's interesting. I, okay. I, I think that, I do think that, I will say this, that for the guys to say they wouldn't pursue the woman, that's totally understandable because the man is the one who actually has to put money aside for a ring for this woman. And so to some people, that is a very large deal, whatever that is. That's time, money, investment, energy, feelings, emotions, and everything. For the woman, it's just saying yes. We have an easy job and an engagement. So I can understand why a man would be hesitant to spend X because amount of dollars. Because she doesn't have as much skin in the game on that part of it. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah, fair yeah, fair yeah. I'm not, I, don't, I don't 100% agree with your opinion on it, but you, very valid point. Very, very valid point. All right. Uh, the next question we kind of covered. It, <laughs> This one is a little bit more difficult because it deals with colorism. And in the show, something takes place between a group of women, uh, separate groups of women. One of the groups of women calls themselves the Brown Girl Squad. And of course, what that truly means is that they're all brown or a little darker. And they're not, they weren't putting down somebody who was lighter complected. They were just calling themselves the brown girl squad. But in this day and age, with us having a heightened awareness around colorism, what that means culturally, and the impact that that could have on any of us, is it appropriate to call out having a brown girls club? Um, And so my question to you is, is it wrong that they even started a brown girls club? Um, you know, I'm light skinned, everyone. So my, my answer is going to be heavily scrutinized. You know, I have to be a a little bit careful with my words as a, as a light skinned, less melanated woman. Um, (laughs) I, when they started the Brown Girl Squad on the show, um, the explanation was that Zadia Mumin and Camille, the girl that we just spoke about that got engaged three times, um, they took a picture with each other at one of the events. And they were just thinking melanin popping, like, oh, we look good. You know, we're like the brown girl squad. And that's how the name stuck. And from then on, they kind of formed this friendship throughout the season that actually played a part in a lot of the situations that that happened and transpired throughout the season. Not all of them being good, actually, most of them being very negative. And so while I was not impacted hearing that they created their own little group, Brown Brown Girl Squad, I really didn't feel any certain type of way about it. I was like, cool. Throughout the season, though, I felt like 
two of the three members of the Brown Girl Squad, I would say uh, everyone but Mumin, took their Brown Girl Squad to mean something different. It was no longer, oh, we're highly melanated Black women who are embracing our Blackness. It is we are going to cut down any female that is against us or that we see as enemies. And I feel like they took that energy and kind of like ganged up together when it came to handling situations with other women. And from that, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. If, if your squad is about being melanated and melanin popping and celebrate black women, I mean, essentially, if we're going to keep it real, Everyone on the show could be part of the brown girl squad because we're all different shades of brown, but I get what they're saying. They're a deeper shade of brown and the deeper shade of brown is not highly celebrated at all times. So I can see the reason to celebrate that. But if you're using that to pit yourself against other women, that's where I have an issue. And that's what they did. Mumin, though she was part of the brown girl squad, I don't feel like she was active in a lot of the things that went down on the show that um, would qualify her as being one of the mean girls. But essentially the Brown Girl Squad on this season was equivalent to what some would call the mean girls. And that's what I disagree with. This is difficult because on one end, Beyonce's made a song. Did she not? About Brown Girls. Did she not? Is that yeah, that's a, that's a fact, right? Yeah, Beyonce did that. Beyonce is a lighter complected woman, right? She's lighter. Call her light skin, right? Yeah, I would. Okay. Nobody had an issue with that, except for a few conservative white blogs and conservative politicians. For the most part, nobody had a problem with that. On the other flip side of this, Danny Lay created a song, basically saying light skin is what he wants, red bones are what he's looking for which was deemed inappropriate. And Danny Lay is also a light, lighter complected woman. I think the colorism argument is always going to veer his head into the zeitgeist of us as a people because of what happened during the Jim Crow era, right? I don't think any of that has ever like truly been healed, solved, the whole nine. I wish there was never a need to call for a brown girls club. I wish there wasn't a need for it. But also, I don't why no, I don't understand why anybody would be offended. Have your Brown Girls Club. Great. Are you 100% saying that it was non-inclusive of others? I don't think they ever said that. But I think that they had a kinship and a friendship that allowed for them to have, you know, the authority to create such a group. Would I have created a group? Absolutely not. Do I think people are going to be sensitive about something like that? Yes. And therefore, when you guys make that decision, you just have to accept the consequences that people are going to view you as hollow, uh, insecure, and somewhat disrespectful. So that's my quick thought on it. Um, I wasn't I wasn't viewing it from the prism that you were viewing it in terms of them having malicious intent towards people. Well, I'm not saying they created the 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 club to have malicious intent towards people, but I think what ended up happening was their friendship and their their the friendship that they created from this show is what led them to gang up on other women and led them to defend whoever was in the club against anyone else who they saw as a threat and and to associate that back to Brown's Brown Girl Squad or whatever, you're now putting a bad name on something that should be celebrated as a positive, is what I'm saying. It's like you're ruining your own reputation. So that's what I'm saying. I, the, the club itself, have as many squads as you want to. You could have a light skin squad. Well, no, you can't. No, you can't because, you know, episode 44, light skin plight, we can't do that. But you can have a brown, you can have a whatever, anything but light skin, we can have. And there shouldn't be any issues, right? But if you if you tie your your actions to this club, you are going to get a bad rep for it. Yes. Again, not saying right, wrong, indifferent. <laughs> but I hear you. All right. Next up. In one of the first two episodes, 
um, one of the guys uh, is put in a position where he has to address why he stopped communicating with one of the young ladies. Well, in trying to address it, what he says to her is the word aggressive. She was coming off as aggressive. Therefore, it begs the question, is it ever okay to speak to a Black woman about being too aggressive? And I put that on you. Is it ever okay to call a Black woman aggressive? Yeah. Yeah, when she's being aggressive. I mean... Even in the context of dating? I think... So what you're speaking of is Tyrone's case with Carrie. Early on in the season, um, Carrie, um, a woman on the show, was really feeling Tyrone. And so she took initiative and put herself out there, not in an overbearing way from what we saw, but Tyrone was really feeling another girl named Shiloh. And so at the point where Tyrone realized, I'm going to pursue Shiloh, this is the woman for me, he may have felt like Carrie's actions were too much for him because he was not feeling the same way. But that is no reason to call Carrie aggressive because the same energy... See, I'm not letting you do this narrative. The reason why he said that she was, quote, aggressive, it's not me saying it, it's him saying it, so don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, one, when he was trying to exchange numbers with other women she was giving him side eyes and making faces in the background and was making it awkward for him, which he took as being aggressive. That was a starting point. I mean, to me, I don't see that as being aggressive. I mean, giving someone a facial expression, and that's something he could have read wrong, but he also apologized for it. So if he really, really felt that way, why would he then backtrack on the reunion and apologize for using that term in describing her, because I think it was then he realized, okay, you were showing interest in me the same way I was showing interest in Shiloh. And we have to remember, this is the same man who told his love interest Shiloh that he could see himself marrying her after three weeks of knowing her. So if we're going to talk about being aggressive, I think that sometimes people look. What did you call look, that? You, you referred to that as something love bombing or bubbling or something. Love bombing. I, I felt yeah. like it was a sense of love bombing. Like after three weeks of knowing someone and I don't know what kind of um, interactions. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, what is his name? Uh, Tyrone. That's what we're speaking of. I don't know what kind of interactions Tyrone and Shiloh had within the three weeks of them knowing each other. But to say that you could see that person being your wife, even if you feel that way, comes off as aggressive. And so I think that if someone is actually being aggressive, and I know it's a very subjective feeling, it's it's all about feeling, perception, but feelings are not facts. We have to remember that. We have to be careful with that word. And I'm not saying careful with that word with Black women, because Black women are already seen as if we say something where we disagree with someone, we're now bitchy or we're now this, or we're always labeled as something when we are not ones that appease anyone in the situation and have our own minds and our own opinions, right? But I don't think that that reason alone is enough to say you should never call a Black woman aggressive. I think in Tyrone's case with Carrie, he should have called her aggressive because from my point of view, I don't think that she was doing anything different than showing the same interest that she had in him, that he was love bombing, which to me is on a certain level, with Shiloh. Just because you're not feeling the same feeling towards the person who likes you doesn't mean that they're doing too much. It just means that you guys are not on the same plane. That's all that that means. Now, the aggressive word came up again in the reunion when they were talking about Camille and how Camille would defend whatever she had going on with Cornelius and try to control that situation. And that word aggressive was used again, and she knocked against it and was like, well, why are we even using this word? Camille was aggressive. If we want to like pick a person who from the show, a woman who was aggressive, that was Camille from what I saw. Carrie, not so much. 
Tyrone just wasn't feeling her like that. So it felt like what she was doing was so much more than what it was. Um, I think aggressive can be a very loaded word. It can be very triggering. And I understand exactly why, especially in like, if it was a work setting, why you would never want to come anywhere near that word and the history of it. But to your, one of your initial points, I do think is it important to be able to call out bullshit in real time, right? So I always think of like, what kind of, what kind of lasting mark are you two going to have together if somebody can't be transparent with you up front? And him being honest to me is not an issue. He would be yeah. upfront, forthright, trying to get there and not trying to bullshit you or BS you for too long. His approach and using the word aggressive was the word that he, in his mind, viewed it as. You can't tell him how he's supposed to view it. Now, if you're going to tell him he needs to be more PC, which is essentially what they were telling him to do, cool. But telling him he's wrong for his feelings on how she was is also ridiculous. And that's what we consistently do. Do I think she was actually being aggressive? No, I don't. I think she was trying to make sure that she understood where his head was at. But was she trying to be a micromanager? She, micromanager? She, she would prefer to... She would prefer to understand every bit of what's going on and how he's feeling at all times and not allow him to get to the conclusion on his own. And that to me is micromanaging. That's some helicopter dating shit that nobody wants to be a part of. That's my two cents. I will say this. If Shiloh acted the way that Carrie did, Tyrone would never call her aggressive because he actually likes her. If Shiloh did all the things that Carrie did and the way that he was feeling Shiloh the, on that level, I could see you as my wife. He would never use the word aggressive towards her because Shiloh would be showing him the amount of affection and attention that he would want from someone like that because he likes her. That's what it boils down to. I, I understand okay. what you're wrong with that because I feel like that happens with most of the women I know more than men. Like if a guy approaches you and he's like, hey, you look good. If he's ugly, you guys will take offense to that. It somebody seems like it's too much, right? It's like, okay, you're somebody, doing too somebody much. Somebody attractive on the other side, you're right. like, girl. Exactly. And that's why I know we're talking about, well, we can't tell him how to feel, but it's like, come on, bro, Tyrone, if Shiloh was acting this way, that word would never even come to your mind. You would appreciate it. All right. Do you want, uh, this next topic though is a little heavier. I want to know as you, as a woman, you want to leave this one off. Sure, I can. Because this, oh. this one's a little bit more difficult in my mind. And I don't want to over I don't want to overstep with this. Because being a guy, I feel like I might oversimplify this. So go for it. <laughs> and I'm gonna add too much detail knowing me. Um, so the question is about a situation that transpired between the girl that we were talking about, Shiloh, and another contestant, Phil. Shiloh and Phil had a connection. They had a mutual connection with each other. But they've been going out on several dates. Let's be clear they've about that. They've been going out on seven, several dates. Uh -huh. And at this point, Tyrone was out the picture. So Shiloh did not have additional love interests that we knew about as the audience. Phil was her number one. But Phil did have an additional love interest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Throughout the season, Phil's popularity was steadily rising and a lot of women liked him. Right. He, he had, had a lot, more, of, lot more right. options to choose from. There you go. Continue. So there was a retreat that happened. And during that retreat, Shiloh made it clear to Phil, you are my number one. You, I would choose you. Like when it comes down to it, my focus is on you. Phil being the cool, calm, collected guy that he is, gives her a kiss, you know, says, you know, you know, show expresses some enjoyment in what she said, but doesn't really solidify that she is the same for him. Shiloh then feels like, you know, I kind of like put myself out there and, you know, feel kind of kissed the whole conversation away. And I don't really know how he feels. He feels playing it cool. He didn't want to tell Shiloh where she stood, 
But he and, did and, tell her that he that he does feel connection with her too. And before you move on, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people do the same thing when they don't know yet. Yeah. Instead of giving you a direct answer, they're like, hey, I, I appreciate the fact you feel that way. Yeah. They put themselves out there and they the other person just appreciates that you feel that way. Yeah. Keep in mind. Continue. Continue. Something that we should not not forget is Shiloh is an intimacy coach. All right. You're going to have to explain to the world what the fuck that means, because I don't know. No, I I still don't know what that means. So she's going to have to explain it to me. Okay, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess she teaches people how to be more intimate. I don't know if that's physical, mental, emotional or whatever. But she she Shiloh would come to a room and exude a certain aura about intimacy. And that was one of the topics of conversation that would come up with Shiloh a lot with other people. And so um, a situation happens off camera uh, later in the season after the retreat where Shiloh, Phil, and other people, including Courtney, who was a a member or a cast member that got uh, booted off earlier in the season, were all out at a bar in DuPont Circle in D.C., for Courtney's birthday. At some point, you know, Phil, you know, he has already decided he he's only having one drink. He has to drive home. Shiloh apparently has four drinks. We don't know how tipsy or not tipsy she was from those four drinks, but just know that four drinks were loaded in her system at this time. Uh, you know, the bar shuts down at approximately probably like 3 a.m. It's pouring out rain outside and Shiloh and Phil got into a conversation initiated by Shiloh about where she stood in this process with him. Was she his number one? Was she someone that he would consider picking? Phil gives her a nice vague answer. Like, you know, I got you, you know, like, you know, I still feel like I have a connection with you, but basically letting her know he's still filling out other connections that he's made. That upset Shiloh. Um, She gets super emotional. And at this point, they are outside in the pouring ring having an argument about this very conversation. Shiloh gets so upset that she storms off down a dark alley in the pouring rain. By this point, it's like 4, 5 a.m. They've already been hashing out this conversation 500 trillion times in 500 trillion ways. Phil, being the man that he is, sees her storming off in the rain in this dark alley, feels like she's doing something that is unsafe and goes to pick her up, put her over his shoulder and bring her back to the car where they are originally having this argument. She tells him, don't touch me. Don't do this. Don't, you know, don't, don't put your hands on me. And, you know, in Phil's mind, he felt like what he was doing was taking her out of possible danger and bringing her back to the place where they were having the conversation in a well-lit area. Okay, I want to I want to I want to punch in on that because I feel like Avia just gave you guys a lot of build up detail. And then when she got to the the, the part that's the most the part that requires oh, did I get real most, generic. OK, sorry, sorry. You, you, you got to the part that, <laughs> that requires the most emphasis. You did not give it enough emphasis. So okay, I'm going sorry, to, sorry. to give it a little bit more color at the point where the woman says, leave me alone. Walks away. As a guy. What should you do becomes a part of that question. She walks into the alley, but she's like, leave me alone. As a guy, modern era or not, you're supposed to leave her alone, right? Like that's that's a thing. A woman tells you, leave me alone. You leave her alone. He does not. Phil is a protector. Phil likes to be the guy that helps and, quote, leads and feels more like traditional man role, right? What Phil does by hemming her up after she told him, leave me alone, was by and large something that I can't say as a guy I would ever call appropriate. You do not pick someone up after they've already told you to leave them alone. It's not okay. That is where Phil did in something in my mind that was wrong. You can't pick somebody up after they already told you, don't touch me. However, on the flip side of this, putting myself in Phil's shoes, 
if I genuinely felt like she was putting herself in potential harm's way, I would still stay there and wait until she decided that she's going to come back out of the alley. I'm not going to just leave you in the alley, but I'm not going to touch you either. I'm not going to follow you. Coming out of that, Shia felt very strongly that he had crossed the line with her. And as a woman, did you understand where she was coming from with that? Um, as a woman, hearing hearing the story from all different kinds of sides, because you know I watched interviews of other people that were there and how they viewed it as well. It sounded to me that Shiloh had a lot going on with her past that she had not gotten over. And I feel like someone, and I don't know what that is, what that thing is. But I'm not letting you scurry around the question I was just asking. I'm, I'm literally going to, I'm asking you a very specific question so that you can't bring in all this background and try to color it. But, but I have to bring the background in because I feel like it depends on the person, right? If that were to happen to me, I don't know that I would feel as deeply hurt as Shiloh felt, but because Phil's action in itself triggered something from her past, which she brought up, which was a physical action, by the way, it was a physical action. That is why she reacted the way that she did. But her and I are very two different people. I'm not saying that what he did was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. I'm saying that her reaction to what happened is purely based off of her own experiences. Because in Phil's defense, one of the things that he said was, had I not done that, if something did happen to her, then it would be looked at me as why did you prevent that? Why did you not prevent that from happening? So he said, I'd rather you be mad at me now for trying to keep you in a safe place instead of you riding off of emotion and put, putting yourself in a possibly dangerous situation that I have no control over at that point. Then for something to happen to you that can be, that cannot be undone. And once he said that, I was like, you know what? That's a good way of looking at it. That is a good way of looking at it. Now, I think that the thing about it is the tricky thing for a man is knowing the right thing to do and to not do in that situation. Because I will say this, a lot of women will, we will say, don't ever talk to me again, or don't touch me, or don't do this. And we don't even really mean it. No, it's kind of like, no, I'm not letting you do this. No, I am doing it though. I am doing it though. There are times where women are like, well, don't ever do this again, but they really want the man to chase after them. And so I'm not saying that's always the case, but all I'm, and I'm not saying that's what Shiloh was doing, but all I'm saying is that it gets very tricky as a man when you're outside in the pouring ring at 5 a.m., the woman is emotional. She's not even thinking about logistically, what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? She's riding off of emotion alone. Phil, who is sober, is riding off of logic. So at that point, are you going to let emotions override logic? Or are you going to let logic override emotions? And I think at that point, Phil let his logic override Shiloh's emotions. And she did not like the way that that felt because it reminded her of how she felt in the past Okay. Else. So I'm not going to let you scurry around the question I asked initially, though, because I'm going right back. How did to I scurry question. around it? Because you, you, you're not answering. Is it wrong for what he did? I don't think what he did was wrong based off of what I know of the situation. I feel. But but this is the thing. This is the thing. Why are you laughing? This is not a laughing matter. I, I'm, I'm going to let you finish and then I'm coming right back in hot. I think this is the thing. Everyone needs to look at this very subjectively. The same way that I said about uh, Tyrone, if, if the girl Carrie was actually Shiloh and she was showing that same intention and that same energy and he liked her, he would not feel like she was being aggressive. In this situation with hey. Phil and Shiloh, if, if Phil had never said to her, like, I'm entertaining other options and Phil was picking her up in a loving manner, whatever the, the, the context of everything and the emotions behind everything. I feel like people are letting their emotions dictate what is actual fact 
And that is not the case. It's based off of your perception and your feeling at that time. I don't think that what Phil did was wrong. Is it my turn? Go ahead. But I will show you, I will say what Shiloh did was wrong after you say your piece. <laughs> because Shiloh, go ahead. <laughs> I love how you threw in another point. <laughs> This is not how this is not how debates work. This is oh, not no? okay. Not how debating works. <laughs> I hate it here. Um, all right. He, as a guy mm-hmm. who is has a, a, a bigger profile than her, stronger person, lifts her up. My my the point that I was making initially around was that appropriate or inappropriate? Answer that. Is that appropriate for him to have lifted her up? Oh, you want me to answer that now? Yeah, answer that question. That's my story. I think in the context of what was going on, I don't feel like it was inappropriate. I also feel like there are other options. He could have just walked with her down the alley. So so it's not inappropriate. Okay, got it. In that context, I'm not saying in general, it's it's okay for all men to touch women when they don't want to be touched or whatever the case is. I'm saying in this specific context, I don't think what he did was incorrect. Back to the other point. If she's telling him, don't touch me, and he touches her, is that inappropriate to you? You're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to make this very black and white in this situation. I'm asking you, anything I'm only asking you the, the question. I'm only asking you the question. In this context, I don't feel like what Phil did, touching her by picking her up, was inappropriate. That answers both of your questions. Okay. You're, you're right. basically saying to me right. that Phil should have walked with her down this alley and not putting themselves both in danger at this point. They don't know what's down the alley. They don't know what's at the at the bend. They don't know what's okay. happening. Someone could have ran up on Shiloh, seen seen her walking by herself as Phil's watch, watching her, ran up on her on gunpoint, okay, and and robbed her. Okay. And at that point, Phil would have to live with that that memory and that image of oh, I could have done something different and I didn't, and now look what happened. And so that's why I get what he's saying, like. Anything worse could have happened, but because it didn't happen, you're looking at this thing as what I'm doing is so horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like you're looking at him picking her up is so horrible where what could have happened to her could have been 10 times worse. I said it was inappropriate. And I do believe it's inappropriate. How would you feel? Can I ask you this? If you were Phil in that situation. But you're not going to let me finish my point. I'm I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. No, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No. Yeah. Go ask your question. How would you feel if you were feeling that situation and you let her walk down that alley and you're watching her walk down that alley and all of a sudden someone comes up to her with a gun and points it to her head and you know that she did not have to walk down that alley had you could have done what Phil did? How would you feel witnessing that happen? Um... I would feel awful. What would you feel awful about? I feel awful that somebody would choose to pull a gun on her. Yeah, but would you also feel like I could have done something to prevent that? No. Not really? if she, not nope, not if she herself as a grown adult tells me leave me alone. You no. would have felt you would have not felt any sort of guilt of No, cuz she's a grown woman. I feel like women have their own agency and I don't get to determine what the woman wants to go do. And we're not in a relationship. So you, you don't feel as much of a protector mode as Phil does. Not only that, but I genuinely feel like women have agency. Well, you, know, you don't, you don't have agency. I mean, but this is a perfect situation because you don't drink, but you've been around so many people who do. Absolutely. You see what happens when people drink, you see mm-hmm. how their, their mind is altered Mm-hmm. The way that they talk is altered. Yep. Everything is altered. So to walk walk someone that you have an interest in, walk down a dark alley in the rain, mm-hmm. knowing that she's po- possibly tipsy or not her normal self where she can react to things in the way that she normally so- soberly would, you would not feel any ounce of guilt for possibly her getting shot in the head or robbed or anything happening to her once she walks away from you. Based on the situations I've even been in my life where if a woman was to yell at me, telling me, leave me alone, stay away from me or anything of that nature, guess what? I would leave her alone. But you wouldn't feel any sort of guilt for anything happening to her from, from doing that, knowing I that you could have prevented her from 
Well, this is the thing. If you're that dogmatic about me needing to leave you, me needing to leave you alone, then you're you no longer want my help. You know what I mean? Like I can't force my help on you. So it's basically like, oh well, you you got what you bargained for, Shiloh, because you didn't want my help, and now look what happened to you. That's that. That's pretty much what it is. No, I think I, I, that's not how I would view it. But my perspective would more so be, you made a decision, and I'm hoping for the best in that decision that you just made. That's interesting. I think a, a better scenario, if we were talking about me in the scenario, is if I was dating somebody, we were going on on dates, et cetera, and we're not in a relationship, and she was trying to go get into her car and drive off drunk, would I allow her to take off drunk? I absolutely would not allow her to take off drunk. So if she was in her physical. car... About I would not be physical off. about it. I wouldn't be picking her up. There'd be none of that shit. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck Phil is. I don't know. But yes, that's I, what I'm I know saying. What but wait, wait, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if she got into her car and you're like, no, you're not driving drunk. How would you get her out the car when she's telling you not to touch her? What would you do? No, and this is what I'm telling you. In no way, shape, or form am I putting my hands on her. In no way, shape, or form. How would you get like, her out the car is what I'm, I'm not getting. Uh, first, I'm not getting her out of the car. But how would the you thing, prevent her from driving the only, drunk? The only thing that I can do at that point is physically put myself in front of the vehicle and go, please don't run me over. And I will get you an Uber. Trust me. So you would let it get to that point then, is what you're saying. I'm saying, I'm, I'm giving you the worst possible case scenario because even before that, I wouldn't have probably even allowed her to have her key. If me and her are like, like that, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let her die. I just think it's- But I'm also not going to physically- pick her up uh, no so okay going back to the point i was trying to make though and i'm just going to finish this little conversation off on this you already said you're perfectly fine with how it netted out because of the scenario behind which shiloh's past is right i would ask you though aside from what he did because clearly i think he's wrong at least on his behalf in the upfront. When it comes down to Shiloh and her own issues on it, I do believe a part of her reaction is because she was feeling rejected. And not only was she feeling rejected, to your point, she also lashed out because of that level of rejection and took it to the extreme. I feel like that was her way of protecting her own insecurity. That's genuinely where I took that as. You're 100% correct. Both of those things conflating at the same time is what makes people's decisions on how they view that so difficult. It doesn't make my decision any more difficult. All I'm saying is Phil's wrong for doing what he did, and she's wrong for making this about something that it's not. Do you feel that in how they spoke about the situation on this episode, painted Phil the way that she even brought it to light. Do you feel like it painted Phil in a bad light or was an attempt to assassinate his character? Yes, it did paint him in a bad light. Do you feel like she was attempting to assassinate his character in the way that she was describing it as far as... And and this is where my question was going to be for you. Do you feel like, because she made it very clear, she felt like there was, he, he tried to hurt her emotionally. He tried to emotionally harm her is her exact words. Okay. You feel like that's true. I just asked you a question. I'm this goes back to what I was saying earlier. And I want to be very cognizant. I'm trying to make sure that I'm being mindful of this, especially being a man in the scenario. Yeah, but that's why I it doesn't matter what I say for you to answer. Do you feel like do you feel like from watching? It doesn't matter if you're a man or not. If this is your opinion. There's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like she was, the way that she was wording what happened was an attempt to assassinate his character or an, a, an, or an attempt to paint him in a bad light at that point? Because there's so many different ways you could tell the story, but the way that she was telling the story was like, I do feel like he hurt me. And then she paused. And then she said, eventually she said, emotionally hurt me. But for her to just even say, I, I feel like he hurt me, 
and just leave it at that, anyone's going to automatically think, oh my gosh, was he like really abrasive with her when he got physical? And that could paint any image in anyone's mind, Mm -hmm. but for her to say it like that and then eventually clarify and say, oh, just emotionally though. Do you feel like she was intentionally trying to paint him in a bad light with that? My answer is absolutely. Mm. Because she was hurt. I mean, we can't justify why she was doing it. This is, this is, this she is, was hurt. this is a reality TV. Her, her, her words, emotionally hurt. And wow. I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm being serious when I say that. I don't know what that means. I'm like, just hurt your feelings. Yeah, that's what that means. Her feelings. You just hurt your feelings. Yeah, that's what I'm taking it to mean. You're emotionally hurt. Your Here, feelings are Here's what I'm saying. I don't know what that means. You said he hurt you. And then you're like, well, he emotionally hurt me. And it was harmful in a way that shook her or she's uncomfortable being around him. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Does that mean he was mentally abusing you? And what was the mental abuse? Because it sounds like it was something he did that was physical. So I don't know. And maybe this tracks back to what was happening with her ex. I don't know. I don't understand. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. So that's why I'm asking you, was it in your mind, emotional harm that he was doing? Because I don't, I didn't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know what that looks like unless she gives me more detail. Like I've never been emotionally hurt. My feelings have never been hurt. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not to the extent that I'm like, you make me so uncomfortable. I never want to be around you again. But this is, but this is what I'm saying. If she's saying it's not physical and it's emotional, that says everything that we need to know about the fact that she needs a lot more healing. She needs. Oh, a lot well, there's, there, there's the angle you're taking. Okay. But let's not let's not disregard the angle as if it's as if it's cliche or as if it actually doesn't hold any weight, because the same way that you're confused about it, you're she's describing a physical encounter and talking about how she's emotionally hurt from it and she doesn't want to be around him, but she doesn't feel like he was physically hurting her the same way you're confused about it is the same way I can say because of that confusion, she needs to get some some therapy because if it's not clear to you and you're hearing everything that's being said, at least from what they're showing us, and everyone else is hearing the same thing, talking about, well, this is not adding up. That tells me she needs to talk to someone who can help her sort through her feelings because it's not adding up to anyone but her, right? Which means that there's something that has happened that she has not gotten over for her to even bring it up. She brought it up. And so I think that the issue is more so than what Phil did. And I'm not taking away how she feels about it. I think the biggest issue from the situation is the fact that she tried to assassinate his character from it because of how she felt. Okay. This is a reality TV show and people have real lives outside, outside of this. He has a real livelihood. She, he, everyone can see he's not a bad person. Everyone can see he's not an abuser. So the fact that you are even trying to paint him as such, or in a way where it it even makes someone wonder if he is, is very harmful. And that is a defamation of character. And I feel like out of everything that, that transpired, whether she needs therapy or not for all her past issues, we need to touch on the fact that how she handled the situation afterwards was not acceptable and was not appropriate. All right. Let, let's, let's transition. Let's transition. Cause that was a heavy one. Now we can get back to things that are a little lighter. Well, a couple of things. Um, <laughs> you know what? I want to skip the one that we were supposed to go over next and come back to it because I think this one that we'll transition to that was going to be point six to me is something as a guy, I have very strong feelings about. And I I would love to hash this one out more than anything. One of the participants on the show, his name's Corey. Corey, to give you a little context on him, said a bunch of things in their casting special from, he has the three sixes, which is a six packs, six figures, and he's six foot. So he's like, I'm everything a woman wants. He's that guy, right? 
You don't want to face card though. Okay, we're, we're going that way. <laughs> Sorry. Right, anyway, anyway Corey, Corey um, was also on like American Ninja Warrior. So he's done reality TV before. Like this isn't new for him. He's somebody who's also tried to do acting a little bit. And Corey is also someone who, you know, kind of wears his heart on his sleeve to a certain extent. And a lot of women might consider him to be a little corny by the way that he comes out on things. He's also considers himself to be a first date king. I said all that to say, we go on a show like Ready to Love, the goal is to try to find love in silos, meaning in you have to have a strategy when you go into it. People don't want you to put yourself out there to everyone. They want to feel special on the show. So you got to be really meticulous about how many people you take out on dates in the whole nine. I set all that up to say something that came up throughout the show was the idea that he asked multiple women out on dates when he first met them. So he meets a group of women, there's 10 women, and he asked pretty much every single one of them out on a date. And a lot of women had a problem with that. Whether you go on social media and check it out or the women who were actually on the show, they all had a problem with that. So this, this brings up the question, and then I got to see a lot of guys actually respond to on Twitter. So I'm gonna give that take, but I'm throwing this over to you first as the woman. Is it wrong to ask multiple people out at the same function? Not just to dating in general, but if you're at the same function, let's say you guys are at the same club, you're at the same uh, wedding reception, you're at the same anything. Is it wrong for someone to ask multiple people out at the same function? Avia, what say you? I'm going to say, no, it's not, it's not wrong to do that. Um, oh, I did not expect you to say that. But there's a but, of course. Oh, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. There is a but. There is not wrong to do that. I mean, you're at a function. You used to say that the first person you you think is attractive is going to be the only person you think is attractive throughout the course of the night. Does that exactly. mean you are locked into that person and yep. you can ride off in the sunset with them? You I don't know who could come throughout the course of the day, right? I agree. I do think that for the basis of the show, there's 10 women, there's 10 women. So, yes, they're all at the ten same. women and 10 men? What did I say? 10 women? 10 women and 10 women? <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I have to take the W off. There's 10. That's a whole different show. Um, <laughs> Ready to love? Lesbian special. Um, <laughs> that would be crazy. Um, there's 10 men and 10 women. Thank you for correcting me. I didn't even hear myself. I There's only 19 other people besides you. So whatever you do and however you move is going to be highly seen. Granted, the basis of this the show is to get to know everyone to the point where you can now dwindle it down to a few people and finally dwindle it down to hopefully one person that also sees you as their match. So how Corey handled getting every girl's number, cool, do what you do. I know the girls had an issue with it, but there's something about being discreet, unfortunately, because they're, the premise of the show is to get to know everyone. It's like, that doesn't mean that you need to be all up in people's faces being obvious about how you're moving with everyone. If you're going to get a girl's number, get a girl's number, but don't say the same things to them. Don't say, hey, you know, when you meet my parents, don't say, hey, you know, I want to take you this place and this place and this place to the same other 10 girls. Because when they talk, they are now going to feel like your approach to them was basic, it was copy and paste, and it was disingenuous. So if you're going to play this uh, quantity over quality game, which is what Corey played, and I'm not saying what he did was wrong, it was how he went about it was with not enough finesse and st strategy to do it in a way that didn't offend people and make them feel like, oh, you said that I would be meeting your parents. Like you told nine other girls the same thing. Okay, so does that mean that everything you said to us was a script? Everything you said to us was just to make us feel more interested or make us feel like you're invested in us when you're equally invested in everyone and it's been two weeks and it's like, I don't even know where I stand with you. I can't even take you seriously now. So I, I feel like if we're gonna talk about just being at a party, cool, talk to whoever you wanna talk to but customize the situation. And if you don't have enough finesse and know how to do that, maybe you're playing the wrong game and maybe you should actually play the quality game over the quantity game. Okay. I have 
quite a bit to say. So let me figure out my best way of uh, minimizing this. Uh, okay, here's my thought. One, I don't care what function you're at. If you're single, talk to as many people as you want. Go all in. I don't care how many people you ask on a date. I just, it just doesn't matter. In terms of strategy, the way that you approach that is important, though. It very, it very well is important. If somebody sees you key, key, key in with every single woman and you have a drink and you get go get a drink for every single woman, blah, 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 it could definitely throw off the authenticity that the person views you with in terms of dating. However, when you talk about real world dating, outside of just one function, it's only how it actually happens, to be honest. If you talk about going on dating apps, it literally is copy paste. You copy paste all this to... Numerous amounts of people. People do that shit all the time. That is not new. And you go on a date with as many people as you possibly can to figure out who best is a best possible match for you. This happens all the time. Not a big deal. And in this scenario on a dating show, um, I think it's funny that almost every single woman on these shows views themselves as the star, if you will. I'm the most important thing. All of them. It's always funny. I rarely see guys get mad if they know a woman's on like multiple dates. There, You rarely see anything like that because they're like, this is the show. You know, she's going to be talking to other people. You kind of got to eat that. But the sensibilities of women, and I don't think it's just by the way that they're socialized because that's a part of it. But the other part of it is I'm main character energy. And when you're a guy like Corey, who wants to make every woman feel like their main character energy. That's his failings more than anything. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I agree with that. You, you, you can't subscribe to the thing they already view themselves at and not think they're going to take it offensively when everybody else is now feeling like they're the main character in them. So I don't have a problem with him getting all the numbers he wants. In fact, I don't think anybody on the show should have an issue with him trying to take every single one of them out on a date because you're on a fucking dating show. But the way in which you approach it, whether it's from you understanding that you can't use not only the same line with other people, but you can't bring in your parents, which super important to most people. (laughs) You want to be like, oh, I want you to meet my family. I just met you for two days, but you seem like you're the right one. Corey's somebody that, in my opinion, though, is getting a lot of heat for being the guy who tries to go over and beyond when he meets women. And it and it's laughable. It's like, what do you guys want? Do you want him, do you want the guy who like keeps all of his feelings to his chest? Or do you want a guy who's fully open? You guys seem to want somebody in the middle. <laughs> you're like, don't give me too much because it could feel like you're bullshitting. But also don't give me too little because then it can feel like you're being too guarded. That's my take. I, I, I think that women more so didn't have the biggest issue with him uh, extending himself to everyone. It's more about what he said to everyone. And if you're going to tell me the same thing that you told Jane, Sandra, Tiffany, um, whoever, if you're going to tell us the same exact script, why am I even here? Why don't you just tell them that? No, I don't even also, need to be here at no, that point. Yeah, they also did make it clear. How are you going to take us all out? They were saying that during that first episode. Mm-hmm. It was offensive that he would be willing to take them all out. And I was like, I don't, I think that, I think that in that case, you know, women aren't not to say men are used to this, but women are not used to not giving, not visually seeing how men move. You know what I'm saying? It's like a man that you know that got your number at a club could have been moving the same exact way as Corey, but you would have never known because you weren't on a reality TV show to highlight that, you know? And so it was probably a slap in the face for a lot of women where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's moving this way, but he could be moving the same way as somebody else, Joe Schmo down the block. It's just a matter of when it comes down to conversation, things that are promised. If you're not switching it up for me or switching it up for another person, that to me, what he did actually, is it kind of feels like, it seems like something so small, but it actually feels like you're insulting my intelligence at that point. 
You're going to sit here and tell me, oh, you want to you want to introduce me to your parents. You want to do X, Y, Z things with me. And do you really think that I'm not going to figure out that you're saying the same things to six other women? So now you it's almost like you think you are 10 times smarter than me and strategic and like know how to win this game, which now it seems like a game because I hear that you're telling five other women the same thing. This doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like this is a customized conversation or a customized date situation because this is how you handled everyone else. And for you to think that I wouldn't find out is insulting to my intelligence. Can't take you seriously, Corey. Sorry. Even with all those tears last night. Oh, boy, bye. Anyways. And just like that, we'll come back with part two of this in episode 73. Good night.